Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good evening and welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show presented to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Jack Smith, joined in studio by Connor Morissette and Chris Trevino. We've got the rotating staff of instant analysis people all coming together for a preview show for USD versus Arizona State on Saturday in Tempe at 7.30 p.m. And guys, let's just talk some USD and Arizona State. And I was watching back through the intro, intro for Tunnel Vision, and it's such a cool intro. And I kind of realized, well, it's missing 49 points of Stanford first half. We kind of put that intro together, and then USD goes and puts up that many more highlights. And now we're back after a bye week and we've got some more football to talk about. First road trip for USC, but 34 and a half point favorites, another massive spread, USC huge favorites. So expect a lot of rotation again in this game. And I, I anticipate another big win. I think you guys probably feel the same, but we can get into all that tonight. I'm not talking, I'm not leading off by talking about uh, Arizona State or road games or anything of that sort, because I just need to make it clear that I am the third string analyst for this show. I am the Drew Pine of this show. And I made it very clear that I don't do Thursday shows. And now I'm here. But this feels like a, uh, like a C, C storyline of a, of, a, of, a, of a hit show where three characters that never interact with each other <laughs> are doing a show together. I've done work with Connor. I've done work with Jack, but I've never done a show with these three. So I don't know what that's going to yield. Competitive depth, right? Competitive Com competitive depth. depth I, I guess that that's a good way to look at it. Competitive depth. Does Arizona State have competitive depth? I don't think so, Jack and Connor. I think the answer to that question is no, but we're going to get into that. Uh, and while you guys are here watching, make sure you're leaving a like wherever you are tuning in. Make sure you're following us, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. We're live in all three spots right now, and we're not going to be able to take live callers tonight, but we will take your questions, so leave a comment wherever you're watching. Like you see right now, we can put them on screen, so make sure you're leaving those comments that we can put up, and then leave questions for the end of the show. And if you were planning on calling in, write it out as a question, put a question mark at the end, maybe write question with a, with a colon. We'll see it for the end, and we'll get through all of your guys' questions. I think that's going to make the bulk of today's show because Arizona State is a team that maybe we weren't expecting to be awful this season, but with their current state, all the injuries that have come about at the QB position, as well as on the offensive line, some other spots on the offense and the defense, they're a very, very banged up team right now. And it's going to make for what I think is going to be a fun road trip for USC, but it's definitely going to be you know, a tougher week for Arizona State than I think they bargained for at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I look at this game. And Arizona State, I watched that awful first half last week against Fresno State. They're down to their fourth-string quarterback.
They turned the ball over eight times in that game. They lose 29 nothing. It looked like last week Arizona State hit rock bottom. And I don't know if there's a worse team out there to play the following week after hitting rock bottom than a USC offense and a USC team that is coming off of a bye and can score at will has the reigning Heisman winner, has one of the best offensive minds in college football history in Lincoln Riley. So even though ASU, they're hoping that they can bounce back and you know it's not as bad as it was for them a week ago is what they'll be hoping for. I, I just don't see a way with all the issues that they have, and we can get into them, where this game is competitive. And I think it's going to be a continuation of, of the Sun Devils being at rock bottom. It's a tough team to play coming off of an awful loss I, I don't see it ending well for him. Really a tough break for, you know, a first-year head coach and Kenny Dillingham, you know, a young head coach trying to make a name for himself. And just, you know, I thought Arizona State could be one of those sneaky, tough teams that they played early in the schedule. It being the first road game for USC, coming off the bye, maybe you have a little bit of that bye week rust. You have that big Colorado game that is being hyped and hyped and hyped, sold out in Boulder, which should be a rocking event. So maybe you came into that game overlooking them a little bit, but just absolutely decimated by injuries. And it really has taken a lot of the uh, the spark out of this game for the Sparkies, uh, the Sun Devils and on their side of the ball. So, yeah, I'm not expecting, you know, them to put up a ton of fight. I know that defense is, you know, scrappy. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But just they don't have the horses on offense to score points and maybe keep that defense off the field a little bit against, you know, Caleb Williams in that offense. So if they were full health, you know, I think it was it would be a much more entertaining game, you know, with talented young quarterback and Jaden Rashada and Kelly Dillingham in that offense. But, yeah, for the most part, you get, you can't go up against a top-five team all banged up as you are down to your third-string quarterback and just decimated on the offensive line, especially with this bigger, more athletic, and dominating defensive front for the Trojans. Yeah, last week was a tough one for Arizona State. Obviously, had that loss to Fresno State, the first time they've been shut out since USC won fifty to nothing uh, a handful of years ago. So, a twenty-nine nothing loss to Fresno State. The you kind of came out of that even worse than you went in because of the injuries that happened. Where Rashada he goes down, Borgay goes down. Now you're looking at the third and fourth string quarterbacks are most likely going to be the two options for Arizona State against USC. That's Drew Pine, the starter, who USC fans will remember had his best game for for Notre Dame last year against USC, and then you've got Jacob. Conover, who's the went in as the fourth string quarterback into the season, and he's a, a backup that if maybe even if Pine struggles, could see some time against the Trojans. And you had those offensive linemen go down, er, kind of everything that happened in that Fresno State game, the eight turnovers, it was a, a, a big disaster of a football game. Don't manage a single point. Defense, I thought, actually came out looking like they were pretty good in that one, but it's just still a game that you come away from, and there's there's really, it's hard to take away kind of a silver lining from a game that went that poorly, even if there are some out there that normally you'd say like, oh, well, that was a good performance. It's 29 nothing, eight turnovers, two quarterbacks getting hurt, maybe a third. It's it's tough to, to bounce back from. The silver lining is the defensive performance, but ASU has been shut out for six straight quarters going back to their Oklahoma State loss. And then Oklahoma State turns around and gets killed by South Alabama the following week. So it's not like... Oklahoma State is that talented of a team. They're down this year. Arizona State is even more down. But yeah, so the, the defensive performance, that could be something to build on for that team. Who's the worst possible team to play the following week? It's USC because it doesn't matter if your defense is good. It doesn't matter if your defense is great, I, I, I think, this year. USC has a generational offense, and they'll be able to put up some points in this one. 
I hope for ASU's sake that the offense looks better. It can't get any worse than eight turnovers. Kenny Dillingham, their head coach, is going to call the plays, so they switched their play callers this week. Things are going to be a little bit different. Their offensive line, it's going to be the fourth different offensive line starting combination for the Sun Devils. So there's just so many things working against them. And I wish, I'm excited for us to talk about a game that's going to be better down the line. This is just another week, another really bad opponent. And Lincoln Riley has mentioned several times, though, those are good coaches over there. They know them. They know they're they're going to have the guys as prepared as they can. And he kept he's mentioned it several times. He expects some creativity from Kenny Dillingham in that offense. So they're expecting the Sun Devils. You know, you know they're 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 limping in here, but I expect them to throw a couple haymakers at the Trojans in that defense. So they have to be ready for anything and everything. And I would expect a better offensive performance. I know USC's defense is better than a Fresno State, but just having the time to prepare a your whoever your starting quarterback is for an actual game prep, go through the week, get those reps, should make for a better, more cohesive performance on the field, even though I would expect them to at least score something this week instead of the turmoil they had last week with eight turnovers. If they have eight turnovers again, well, okay, well, maybe we'll pack it up and then. But, but I would expect a more cohesive offensive game plan for them. Obviously, that, that line will dictate a lot of that. We know Drew Pine has experience. He can be a good quarterback, as him again last year against Notre Dame showed. But, yeah, they – Lincoln Riley has mentioned they expect some uh, some some things to be thrown at them, so they have to be ready for any and all possibilities. Yeah, a good staff can only overcome so much, and you talk about the creativity, Chris. I just wonder if they can't block, how creative can you be? So I'm interested to see what that offensive line looks like. It was really bad, and Kenny Dillingham has talked about how they haven't had enough to rep it too deep in practice because they've been so banged up at that spot. A couple, One guy, Aaron Frost, is coming back. He was a transfer from Nevada who... Uh, by all accounts, was pretty highly ranked. He was one of those guys who improved his ranking from high school to, to college in the transfer portal. I just don't know how big of an impact he can have. And another thing with ASU, like the coaching staff, they might be pretty good, but you can only overcome so much. So the players kind of aren't maybe where the staff expected them to be. The administration at ASU, it's kind of a dark cloud over the school right now with what's going on with their AD, Ray Anderson, and Michael Crow, the president. People are really unhappy with those two. They're not eligible for a bowl game, so the motivation, of course, everyone's going to come out and play and, and work really hard, but in the back of your head, if you're not eligible for a bowl game, I'm sure some guys are thinking, what are we even playing for? If this USC game, USC jumps out to like a 21 nothing lead, I could see this getting really ugly really fast. So there's a lot of other things going on in this matchup outside of just the X's and O's and the guys on the field. It just seems like ASU, they're going to the Big 12, and that should be good, but they are not in a good spot right now, and I just wonder... The Fresno State loss, that seemed like rock bottom. But like I said earlier, I think that rock bottom could continue. A lot of factors are working against them. Yeah, a lot of people would have said that the end of last season was rock bottom. I mean, the nine losses yeah. they had last year, it's it's the worst in program history. And it's kind of a lot like how we were talking about Stanford, where Stanford's not in a good place right now, and they just kind of signed a death deal to go to the ACC. And now you've got Arizona State, who's in you know maybe one of the worst spots. They could have even more sanctions coming. It was a self-imposed bull ban because they're, I think, trying to get off a little bit easier uh, from whatever's going to come from the NCAA. And then they've got to head to the Big 12. Like it, It's it's going to be, I think, a long a long ride for, for Arizona State football 
football. And Kenny Dillingham, he kind of said it's going to be like bamboo where you have to plant it and water it for a couple years. And the previous coaching gigs, you know, fans weren't exactly happy about how he said that. But I think he understands it's a rebuilding process. He wants to do the dirty work, recruiting the Valley, get them to back Arizona State football again. But it, it's not going to be an instant turnaround. Like we saw USC under Lincoln Riley with Caleb Williams have an instant turnaround last year, going from four wins to being in the Pac-12 championship, going to a New Year's Six Bowl, that that was never really expected for Arizona State. I don't think that they were expecting to be in this position, you know, one and two with their third string quarterback starting the game against USC, but they certainly were not expecting. I, don't, I think it would have been unrealistic if they were to think that they were going to turn it around in year one. And I think it's going to be a longer process for them. And we'll see how that goes with potential sanctions that could be on the way from that Herm Edwards uh, tenure at Arizona State. But I think I think they've got a good coach in Kenny Dillingham. I'm not sure how much the offense changes with him calling the plays because there's only so much you can do in one week as well. But he's certainly a better play caller than Bo Baldwin. We saw what he did with Bo Nix at Oregon last year. So I think uh, Arizona State's offense under Dillingham will be better going down the stretch of the season. Will be better this week. That's something that I'm not quite sure about. Connor made a great point that, you know, very easily this game could be 21 nothing, you know, early in that game. And I, I mentioned this on my uh, two-star podcast with uh, Gerard last night that this is a game and a time where USC's offense, being how good that it is, you could absolutely already break this fragile spirit of this yeah. team within the first not half, but like the first quarter, I guarantee you, if USC wins the toss, they're getting the ball first mm -hmm. and they're going to uh, run it down their throats. Not running, but, you know, uh, get moving that ball down their throats and are going to score first and set the tone there as the quote unquote villains of um, uh, the Sun Devil Stadium. So, yeah, this app, they could break the spirit of that team. They could send those students home, <laughs> leaving by the start of the second quarter, depending on how it goes. So, and I, I, I have a feeling that's going to be their, their MO going to this game is shut them up early break them early. They want to be broken. Let's do it. And we saw Lincoln Riley against Stanford. He's arguing a Stanford touchdown in the third quarter. That just shows you the mindset. They want to break the will of every team they play against. And Arizona State will be no different than that. I don't mean to pile on the Sun Devils here. The last thing I'll say, the one sort of good thing that they had going for him was Jaden Rashada, a five-star quarterback coming into the program. He wins the starting job over Drew Pine and all these other quarterbacks who we've seen the last few weeks for the Sun Devils. And then him getting hurt, like that was the one thing if you're an ASU fan that, okay, we might lose, we might get killed in a lot of games, but at least I can sit down in front of my TV and watch this really highly touted quarterback develop in front of my eyes week in and week out. And now that he's out, that if I was a fan, like, you know, I don't know. I don't. I, I might pick up golf or something. I, I don't know if I'd be watching this team week in and week out. The product that they've had has been awful, and we saw it last week against Fresno State. Eight turnovers, like, you have to – that's hard to do, eight turnovers. Like, they had some fumbles that were like, are, are you even trying out here, I thought? So – Really, really unfortunate for, for that program, and we'll see how they bounce back. I don't, I don't like their chances. I, I think it's it's going to be interesting because that, that defense, I know that any Lincoln-Riley offense can normally go against you know any of the best defenses. We saw it against Notre Dame last year, and I'm not, I don't think Arizona State's defense is at Notre Dame's level from last year, but the Arizona State defense, I thought, did a really, really good job responding to those turnovers. They only allowed 15 points off turnovers. They didn't allow a single touchdown off any of those eight turnovers, and they've been really, really good in the red zone this year. I believe they've given up 17 scores on 18 red zone chances, but only six of them have been touchdowns, so you're only scoring a touchdown about a third of the time that you get in the red zone against Arizona State. Now they've played 
Oklahoma State, which might be a bad year for Oklahoma State. Fresno State, which I'm not sure how how good Fresno State's going to be down the stretch of the season. Uh, And then Southern Utah. So you're not facing a Lincoln-Riley level offense in the red zone, so I'm not really sure what to make of that. But it is definitely like this, and I think it was... I think it was Marshawn Lloyd said it yesterday. Like they've got motor. They're very resilient. So it's that's one area where you can definitely praise them. I think that's where they deserve some credit for how well they've played so far this year. I don't think that you can say, well, look what they've done in these in these first three games. You can expect that this week because it is USC, Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, everything like that. But they're more resilient, I think. And I think they will be on the defensive side, at least more than Stanford was, where we heard first drive of the game, Taj Washington went on the podcast with you guys, Connor, and said, we could just tell they didn't really want to be blocked. They didn't put their full force into getting off blocks or tackles or anything like that. So I don't think we're going to see that from Arizona State, at least on the defensive side of the ball. But you're right. If USC comes out like they did against Stanford, they could break the will of the Sun Devil team. We can get into some X's and O's, too. I don't want to turn this into the, you know, crap on Arizona State show. What I did see from them, B.J. Green is an edge player who's good. He had two tackles for loss against Fresno State. Deshaun Mallory is an interior defensive lineman who's good. They have some talent. They were really effective with corner and safety blitzes against Fresno State. Mikey Keene, their quarterback, was sacked a bunch. And Brian Ward, the defensive coordinator, did a really nice job of disguising some blitzes and bringing in some guys from different positions on the field. And and that worked. Defensively, I, I think you could say they played well enough to win. It was just the awful offense that, that really let them down. So, uh, again, I don't think that will really matter too much against a generationally good USC offense. But they do have some pieces. And the, the defensive coordinator, I think, is a good coach. He was at... Uh, Syracuse when I was there I got to know him a little bit so uh, good coach and you know we'll see how long their their defense can last against a really good USC team I I, I think you could argue that this is probably the best defense USC's played this year so I, I guess that's something that we can look at too yeah that's a uh, that's a good point this will be technically the best defense <laughs> that they have played all season and just adding to the point I said where we were talking about that you could break them early on the flip side, that also means USC has the pressure of doing that. It, let's say you get the ball first and you don't score on that first drive. That defense comes up with a stop or something happens and you don't get seven on the board. Well, you just gave them a little bit of life. I think that crowd is going to be a little bit there early and we'll see if they stick around. But if you stop them early or let's say they give up the uh, the touchdown, but then somehow the Arizona State offense, Drew Pine, who we know carved up USC's defense last year, you have a lot of redemption on the line for USC's defense because Drew Pine looked like a legitimate guy who was going to go to New York City as a Heisman contender after what he did to USC. That's In that snapshot, he was very good. 23 of 26, I think, 316 yards and three touchdowns. He looked uh, elite against USC's defense. So they have a lot of pressure of like, okay, that was last year. This is a whole different team, a whole different Drew Pine. We had to put him on his back a lot more times. But if Kenny Dillingham and that Arizona State offense manages to score right after USC scores, well, now you've given them a little bit of life. You've given them a something where, hey, maybe we can hang with them. And I'm, you know, USC could absolutely turn on the Jets from there and be like, okay, let's wake up. We're on the road. Let's see where we are. But you don't want to give them any sort of life. And now you have the pressure of being the number five team and squashing this team because everyone expects it. We're talking about it right now, how you, uh, USC should be squashing this team. So you have to, you do have the pressure of going in there against an overmatched opponent and actually overmatching them and, and dominating them. Well, that's what happened against Stanford. I mean, uh, the, you had the 
or against uh, Nevada, rather, where you had the, the touchdown by USC, then Nevada comes back and they get the touchdown. And then after that, USC kind of handled the game a little bit better. But that first drive, you you look at the big completion over to Monty Jackson, and we've kind of talked about that play. And he was in good position there, but it, it's still a play that happened. And everyone in the stadium, everyone on Twitter, everything's like, uh-oh. Is Nevada gonna gonna put up 28 points like San Jose State did? They didn't end up doing it, obviously. But you're right; there is a little bit of pressure, and there's gonna be kind of pressure like that every game when you're the number five team in the country, and you could rise even further. And there's gonna be more pressure, but especially in in a game like this, where you know I think we've all, already all said it: USC should win this game, and they should win this game big. The spread is 34 and a half. Who knows if they win by that much? We're gonna make our picks later in the show, but like you're still supposed to blow a team out if you're favored by 34 and a half. Anything under or even really at three touchdowns is a disappointment. Um, and it obviously depends on how that happens. But I think if you're the USC defense, you had that nice performance against Stanford. You were really swarming the ball carrier as well as the quarterback in the backfield. You want to do that against Arizona State. And you want to do it while you're on the road because you want to show that you're that killer mentality team that they've been talking about being all week, the bad guys, the villains, everything in that regard. You want to go out there and and like I don't want to say it this way, but you're supposed to kick a team when they're down. Like, it, and you know, when it comes to people and relationships, that's not something you want to do. But in football, if you get an opportunity to play against a team that's as banged up as Arizona State, you take full advantage of it. You you don't make it easier on them, uh, and you kind of just have to really just go for the gut immediately at the start of the game because these opportunities don't roll around very often. They certainly will not come around later on USC schedule. The one note I will make about Drew Pine, Drew Pine was playing behind maybe one of the best offensive lines in the country last year with Notre Dame. He will probably be playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the country on Saturday. I had a Notre Dame fan text me watching that Arizona State Fresno State game, and he was like, "We're you know, thank goodness that this guy isn't our quarterback anymore. So they're, even Notre Dame fans, he played really well against USC. I'm sure a lot of the returning USC players will like be – mad and have a point to prove that Drew Pine, who really struggled last week against Fresno State, carved them up a year ago. So I think that's going to be motivating for a lot of the guys coming back. He certainly struggled. The offensive line, night and day, like you said, Jack, going from maybe the best in college football or arguably the best to you can make a case for being the worst in the Power Five, especially with how they looked last week. So I'm sure that's a motivating factor. And Chris, going back to something you said, I don't want to be like a USC, have my USC blinders on, but I just feel like unless something fluky happens... I feel like USC is going to score on that first drive. The script, the the Lincoln Riley and Kayla Williams synergy that I've talked so much about on this podcast, unless something bizarre or like a turnover happens that a fumble or a tip pass or something, I just think USC is so talented and so good and they've proven how they can step on teams like they're bugs that aren't as good as they are. I feel like they're just going to march right down the field and score and I would be really surprised if that first possession didn't end in six points. Look, I agree with you, but it's also college football. Uh-huh. It's also sports, and it's also on the road with a little bit of extra intrigue to it. So I'm not saying I'm like feel very good about them <laughs> scoring the effort, but you always, you never know what's going to happen yep. on that first drive. We'll see. Maybe Arizona State wins the toss. Maybe they want the ball first and they oh. go down and score. So <laughs> whatever happens, but yeah, I feel very confident That'd that USC, if, they took the if ball. USC does score on their first possession i'd be very shocked if they didn't but again we always have that little uh-huh, you're little right. bit of doubt that's, on the road that's why we, they play the game that's why they play 
the game, Connor? I believe it's 13 of 17 games under Lincoln Riley that USC has scored on their first offensive drive. There you go, Jack. Great stat. Do you know the ones they didn't? Uh, I bet I could get them. Mm. I I was going to say Oregon State. I want want those by the end of the episode. Yeah, Oregon State feels right. I mean, they didn't score a touchdown until, or at least Caleb didn't throw a touchdown until his last one to Addison. Whether they scored on the, I don't think they scored on the first drive rushing. The rest of those games I'm going to have to think about. Uh, we have a Super Chat, and we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but we stopped for Super Chats. So thank you to Alex for for $1.99. He says, do you agree the Pac-12 Alex. is the best conference? Thoughts? Yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. After after sitting on my couch last Saturday with the bye week and just watching games from morning to night, I think that's accurate. I do. I, I, I had that tweet. I'm trying to pull it up. where I was just like sitting on the couch watching the Alabama huddle game, and I was like – Washington would kick this team's butt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw, saw that. I, I'm trying to pull up the matchups right now. I have it right now. So I, I just pulled up uh, all of SEC's ranked teams and all of Pac-12's ranked teams or the top ranked teams because Pac-12 has more ranked teams than, than SEC. Conference. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State and uh, UCLA and Washington State did not get into this matchup. They're waiting on the bench for somebody. But if you pitted them up you know, this weekend, USC number five versus number one Georgia – Eight, number eight, Washington versus number 10, Alabama. Number 12, Utah versus number 11, Tennessee. Number 13, Oregon versus number 14, LSU. And then number 16, Oregon State versus number 17, Ole Miss. This was before the rankings changed. This is before the rankings changed, obviously. I think when I'm looking at this list, I feel like out of those those five games, I think the Pac-12 is getting the, the series win here. You know, I think Washington's running away against Alabama. <laughs> I, I think it. I think or, I think Oregon's beating LSU because they have the better quarterback in that matchup. If Utah has Cameron Rising, I'd probably pick them to beat Tennessee too. I, I think I think Tennessee's not. Well, they lost. Yeah, Tennessee's I don't think fall. Tennessee's all that great. Yeah, so you, uh, that's absolutely a Utah win there, especially if Cameron Rising, Oregon State, Ole Miss. I think that's a really good game. I would have Ole Miss. And uh, the lane train doing that. And then <laughs> USC versus Georgia. USC, Ooh. I think, could win that game. And I don't think it's that crazy to say they could beat the number one team in the nation, seeing how kind of Georgia was a little bit sleepy against uh, South Carolina. Now, USC has not played a ranked team this season. They played uh, not the best, the, the toughest early schedule. But still, I'm looking at this, and I think, you know, at least four or three wins, USC's, uh, the Pac 12, excuse me, is coming out against what is considered the top conference in the SEC. The bottom line is it's at least competitive, whereas in years past, it isn't. It would be interesting, too, to do some toilet bowl matchups because mm, yeah. the Pac-12 has some <laughs> USC stinkers. USC is losing those. St- uh, Vanderbilt is, is definitely going to kick the crud out of uh, Stanford and Arizona State. Northwestern, I look at, too, in the, in the Big Ten, is if we're talking about you know conference strength overall, Northwestern is probably – their toilet bowl team, so that that would be fun. Cows whooping Vanderbilt, though. <laughs> well, yeah, Cows whooping Vanderbilt. Van, Vandy's getting matched up against like Stanford or Arizona State here. Cal, Cal, Cal's a good team. Uh, I think it's. I think it would be interesting because I think you've. I came into the year thinking, okay, the SEC is probably still the best conference in football, but the Pac-12 is definitely the deepest. And I was like, if you're, un, I think you're, you're just biased if you say that's wrong. Like I think it's an objective fact coming into the year. Pac-12 is the deepest conference. And now I, I, I think they are just overall the best conference because I think if you look, you take out Georgia. And I know Georgia is the number one team in the nation. I think they deserve to be the number one team in the nation. How many Pac-12 teams do you go until you list an SEC team? Because I, I think I would go 
ahead of LSU, I would put USC and Washington for sure. And then I'm, I'm, I'm hearing out arguments for Oregon and Utah before you get to the second SEC team. So normally it is the SEC just is three teams of the top five and five teams of the top 10. And this year it's just not that. Utah beat Florida, by the way. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah. I'm interested to see what Utah looks like with Cam Rising. I don't think it's official, but it seems like he's going to be back. I think the line moved from like four and a half to six points, and everyone's like, oh, that means Cam Rising's back against UCLA. That'll be a fun game this weekend. A lot of great Pac-12 matchups. Unfortunately, one of them is not USC this week against Arizona State, as we've mentioned a lot, but tons of great games this weekend. Oregon State, Washington State, awesome slate. Good weekend to be working a 7.30 p.m. game because there's some, some earlier ones in the day that'll be fun to watch, including uh, Oregon and Colorado. So thank you, Alex, for the super chat. Make sure you guys are all leaving your questions in. We'll answer them. It can be about USC. It can be about anything. Um, you don't have to do a super chat, but if you do a super chat, we'll get to it immediately. So I, I believe we were talking still about Arizona State. Let's move on to, to more of the USC side. What do you guys want to see from the Trojans this week? I want to see domination similar to Stanford. I don't know if 49 points at the half will happen again, but I think Lincoln Riley every week is trying to prove a point, even though he says he's not, but they want to execute at a really high level. And so maybe they're not trying to prove a point, but their play, the end result, if they're doing what they're supposed to do and performing at a really high level, regardless if they want to prove a point or not, will prove a point. And I, I just look to them to do that again. And I have really high expectations. The Stanford game kind of changed the ceiling that I had for this team. I was that blown away by USC's offense and thought their defense was good. I still want to see what that looks like against better teams. I really think this USC offense has the chance. I keep saying generational. I, I really believe it can be that good. And I think Arizona State might be in a little bit of trouble here because USC's coming off a bye week. I, I expect him to roll. I expect it to be a pretty dominant win. There was a lot of excitement being talked about in practice about how these guys are really excited to go on the road and how road games are better than home games because they just like going to someone else's stadium. They're more memorable. It, it, it means more to go in someone else's uh, stadium and get that win. So I think guys are looking forward to that. So you do want to see them play up to that, play up to the atmosphere that they're playing in and play the villain. That is something, you know, we heard Mason Cobb talk about. Eric Gentry kind of danced around. He didn't say the word villain, but he likes going to games. They like being booed. They like being it's us against them kind of mentality. It's something the defense really embraced last season, especially in that Oregon State win. That that was the pinnacle of them, you know, saying hate on us. We, we'll get it done. Obviously, they didn't get it done at the end of the year. So you want to see them get a little bit more of that swagger back, especially the defense. Just get that swagger. I think they got some of it back against what they did against Stanford. Now you can build on that on the road in a hostile environment where you're going to get booed, where you're going to have a bunch of distractions, where you got to go go on the road. You got to travel. You got to you do all these things. You, but you get to be there with your team in this insulated bubble. It's just you versus them you against the world. So that's the mentality they're taking. So I want to see them I want to see that play out on the field. You know, I want to see them be villains on the field and and kind of obviously not do anything dirty or anything, but just embrace being on the road and embrace taking a kill on the road. I want to see the offensive line have another clean game like they did against Stanford. I think Arizona State's a little bit better defensively, probably a lot better than Stanford. So the offensive line, I do expect to be challenged more. I've said all along that it's going to take some time to gel, but this group, this starting unit has so much experience that its ceiling is really high and it could develop into one of the strengths of the offense, a really loaded offense as the year goes on. So I'm looking at the offensive line. And then defensively, ASU's offense is not good. This should be 
a defensive performance where as the weeks go by, we say, oh, remember that Arizona State game? The USC defense looked great. I expect there to be more turnovers than we've seen. I expect more big hits, just a, a better performance because this ASU offense, while they might have some tricks up their sleeve, they just don't have the Jimmys and the Joes to compete in this game. Connor, you're, you're really against this Arizona State offense, are you? Yeah. Because I, I'm the only guy in America who watched that game last week. And, oh, my, I was texting my friend. I was so surprised at just how bad it looked. And I know you're on your fourth-string quarterback that, that that in a game where you, you can't rep the guy the week going in, that makes a huge difference. But it was just like – it was. I don't want to get, like, memed and people tweet at me and piss off people. But, it, like, just how bad it was, it was kind of like – I got kind of, like, mad watching it. He, I was like, are you kidding me? His, I stayed up to watch this? His his energy is matching Kenny Dillingham's press conference <laughs> this afternoon. It's that That's – they're they're comparable right now. I need yeah. I need I need to clip that with. Uh, At least your, I have your, my voice. He's he's lost his voice. He did. Here's that the thing. True. Yeah, if if USC loses, the Arizona State fans are coming right for Connor please, first. Please oh, please goodness. do please do. He's uh, up in the box. I'm gonna text you like it's getting bad down here. You gotta stay up there. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I think, I think that USC. I, I like how they're embracing that that villain bad guy energy going on the road. But when when that happens, sometimes you can get a little bit ahead of yourself. You're pressing a little bit to try and, you know, have that moniker and be that kind of a team. When you're trying to dominate a team, sometimes little things can go wrong. And so that's what I'm kind of looking to see if USC can avoid. Can they be this villain, hard-hitting, you know, good pass rush team that's still explosive on offense without making those small errors on the road? You're eliminating procedural penalties before the snap on offense, so no false starts. Don't want to see delay of games with USC not being able to figure out the road environment. It's not going to be as hostile as going to, to Corvallis to play Oregon State last year, um, and but it's still going to be a road environment, so you want to avoid those. You want to avoid the, the cheap stuff on defense. You, I don't want to see a targeting um, not too many pass interferences, late hits, you know, hits out of bounds. Those are the kind of things that like villains do, but not villains that are also one of the best teams in college football because you have to be able to rein it in at the end to be that aggressive team, but not go too far and give the other team gifts. So that's kind of what I'm interested in seeing. And when Chris mentioned the Kenny Dillingham thing, I was watching that video. I retweeted it. He's got that same Herm Edwards <laughs> quote where he's basically saying, you have to play to win the game, but he was saying all the right things, and though just the way he was saying it had me so on edge. Like it just, it, it was uncomfortable to watch because he's just flailing around, and um, I, I, I just think it, he's saying the right things, but it, it was a weird video to watch. That's that's kind of all, all I've got to say. It was on like it. me when I did my first instant analysis, and everyone in the YouTube comments was like, "Dude, you got to stop moving around so much. You're freaking us out." So I, I definitely, uh, Chris, what he said earlier about me being like Kenny, I, I definitely feel that. <laughs> I thought it was a deep fake, to be honest with you guys. There's a guy who's been making deep fakes on Twitter of of, uh, of college coaches and press conferences. That's what I thought it was. That's what I thought. <laughs> so I actually went to Sun Devil Source, our sister site, yeah, to look. And, and actually look it up to see. And, yeah, that was it. <laughs> one yeah. one other reason, too, I'm just down on ASU. They can't run the ball, and they're 11th out of the 12 Pac-12 teams in front of only Colorado. You got to – be able to run the ball to, to have success too and I mean they haven't played very good teams and they're out running the ball against USC do you think they're going to be able to run the ball I don't I think they've got good running backs maybe the offensive lines Scadaboo well, yeah that's a fun name uh, yeah it is a fun name Um, it, they've got the seventh most forced missed tackles in the country I, I want to say the numbers like 
in the 50s. So I, I don't quite remember the exact number, but they're seventh in the country in forced missed tackles. Uh, he as running as a running back is is fourth. I think he's he's forced 25 missed tackles on his own. Um, and among all running backs in the FBS or F, FCS level, he's got the most career forced missed tackles uh, of any active player. So like he's a guy that he will he will get it done himself. Now whether you're giving him a hold to run through and then he can force a missed tackle or is he forcing a missed tackle on someone three yards in the backfield and that. then getting tackled a yard past the line of scrimmage? Like that's the difference between you know whether a running back can get going or not. I think the running backs are good. It's just are they going to be able to run the ball and let their running backs get down the field and then showcase their speed and their you know tackle breaking ability, everything like that. Something specific I want to see is better secondary play. I you know. Obviously, we mentioned that Drew Pine threw all over this team last year. It is a different situation, different offensive line, different system, but they need a little bit of redemption for getting thrown on by Drew Pine last year. And obviously, the pressure in his face is going to be better than it was last year when he's at Notre Dame. So this is going to be an opportunity for the secondary to build some confidence, get some picks maybe, and uh, you know shut it down and not give up some some big plays. You still want to see a l- more growth from that secondary. You know they they messed up a couple times they've had some blunders they've had some missed opportunities for picks you want to see them kind of grow a little bit more not have any like any sort of busted coverage or big big play or explosive play or anything like that so i'm just looking to see a little bit more growth i know it's a it's a struggling offense we know that so but i still think we can learn a little bit more or see a little more growth from the secondary I had a question for you guys, and then we can get to questions in the comments section. I know every game is different, and we can't really predict what the game script is going to be like. What's that point total that, if it's under it, you think USC's defense had a good day, and if it's over it, you are a little concerned with how they played? Am I am I just taking into account the whole game or like the, the whole first game. half? Well, okay, the like the starters, starters. I for the starters, no more. Just based on what we know with the quarterback, I would say no more than. 14 points. No more than 14 points. Starters only, based on what I saw last week, I'm saying three. No more than three. So if they allow one touchdown, you're concerned. Oh, he's like, Concern, throw it all away. Concern's probably Send too, the too strong, ball. but I mean... Well, I asked, what's your concern number? It was, fine, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with it. That, eight turnovers last week. Three points. You can, I mean, they could they can throw eight turnovers and then just hit on one deep yeah, ball and score a like, touchdown. Like, that's a... I, I, I think I echo that like 13, 14 point range for the starters. And then maybe the backups give up a field goal or a touchdown and you're giving up like in total 17 points. But with with taking into account the context, if the starters give up more than 13 to 14 points, then you can say like maybe this defense, they might, I don't think it like means it's a bad performance, but I think we come away with that and we say, well, maybe they're not as good as we thought they could be after the Stanford game. And I, I, I'm looking for another performance that could, could suggest that. And so maybe if they allow three points, then you're coming away and saying, maybe this defense is actually going to be good, not just serviceable like we've said they, they should shoot for, but good. Um, I, but yeah, if, they, if they allow more than three points, like somewhere between three and ten, I'm not going to come away concerned about the rest of the season. <laughs> I'm just watching the game. The team hasn't scored in six quarters, so I'm just trying to hold USC to a high standard. And You, you know, you better be predicting a shutout at the end of this game. I, no, well, this, well, uh, well, I, I think we'll see the... We, we don't have to get to it now, but to, to spoil it I'm a little saying, bit, we I think we'll see the second team defense, and that will affect my prediction. I, I'm hmm. just thinking out loud here. I don't think whatever they do against this Arizona State, they could offense, they could smush them up into a ball, chew them up like bubble gum, spit them out, and throw them out. They can get 90 turnovers. What we see 
against this offense, it won't tell us how great this defense will Correct. be. Correct. It will not, but you can learn how maybe not as good this defense <laughs> is going to be. That's the only thing we will learn about this defense is just maybe they're not as good or again, it doesn't matter. They could force a hundred turnovers. It does not matter. It, it will have no bearing. turnovers matters. Okay. Okay, mathematically impossible to get 100 turnovers in not this game. Not if you just punt the ball every time you get it back. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. We, won't, we will not learn how great this defense will be, but we can learn. Pump the brakes maybe a little. But it all depends on how much that, that starting unit gives up. This is an unhinged episode of Tunnel Vision. I think we need a, we need a supervisor in. They shouldn't have put us all three in the same I'm, room. I'm the supervisor. I'm the, I'm the only person over 30 in this room right now. I'm the supervisor, and I'm the most unhinged, unless Connor's talking about the Arizona State office. <laughs> That's true. All right, let's get to some questions from the fans. If you guys are still watching uh, and haven't gotten tired of our unhingedness yet and you know Connor's anti-Arizona State mindset, make sure you're leaving a comment wherever you're watching. We can put them on the screen and answer your questions. We'll get to one from Eric first. He says, do you guys expect Mason Cobb to play? Saturday, Chris. I don't. I feel like you don't, but I, I do. Why, why I, are you? Why are you on the fence? I. Uh, do you say start or play? Play. I don't expect him to start. I'm kind of on the. I'm like fifty fifty. I think he'll get a couple of. I think at the most he's going to get a couple of series, and that's it. I think they just want to test out the injury. We still haven't been told what the actual injury is. I know it's in this region, this <laughs> groinal region. I do know that. So I think they just want to get it out there, see him, how he feels. I think warm-ups will be obviously a big indicator if he actually goes. They said he's going to be – they expect to have him available, expect to have him available, expect to have him available. You know how many times I've heard expect to have him available and they don't actually suit up? Plenty of times. So I feel like if he's good and healthy, I think they're just going to give him a little bit to, to steal from a Clay Heltonism. Get him in a lather just to see how he feels. Don't want to push it too much. It's Arizona State. You don't need him to beat Arizona State. But you do want to get him back in the fold a little bit, especially when you go on that big road game to Colorado and then Notre Dame in a couple weeks. So, I mean, I feel like he'll get a couple, but he's not going to start. And I and I don't expect him to play a ton. You've been around a lot longer than I have, so I should take what you're saying and you know, you, you know, but to me, everything that they're saying is that he is going to play. And he even said himself, I'm ready and I, I'm back. I'm playing. So I do think he's going to play. I wrote this week. I thought he was going to start. Chris saying he might not may, maybe make me walk that back. Who who do you think is going to start then, Chris Tackett? And who's your other starter? I mean, I think it'll be Tackett and Rajon. And I think they'll get they obviously want to play Eric Gentry, you uh-huh. know, be coming back to Tempe. I I wouldn't even be surprised if they started Yeah, him. wouldn't Gentry be closer to starting than Cobb? Yeah, I mean, again, you don't need those guys to play. You could beat yeah. them without them. And you know you'd saying, much like, rather on a tier list system, and Gentry at least played last week. Right, and, you know, they're young. I wouldn't be surprised if you get a Gentry-Rajon Davis combination, you know, with Tackett being so young in a road environment, maybe just ease him in a little bit to that to that scenario i don't know how the atmosphere is going to be i'm expecting you know a decent crowd for 7 30 kickoff but i i think all the linebackers will play yeah i think i'm the least confident yeah i think if you're a usc fan you're encouraged if he plays a couple snaps you do not want to see him play very much there's no need for it um but i think they want to get him back in this game because they're going to want to have him for colorado i not sure how close that game's going to be as of right now, but you never know. That could be a down-to-the-wire game. You want your best players available, and you want them to be seasoned enough to go play at altitude on the road for a full four quarters, which basically no one has done so far this season outside of you know that game against San Jose State where some of the starters stayed in late. Like 
they, they might not be prepared to play a full four quarters of football or a full four quarters of football plus a potential overtime at altitude. So you want to be ready. Um, so they're going to, I think, get him some seasoning in this week that way that they can play him against Colorado. But I don't think that he needs to play the entire game. And I think if you're a USC fan, you shouldn't be rooting for him to play the entire game. Maybe three series. Again, yeah. he hasn't played in four weeks, essentially. So you he's probably a little bit out of game shape. You want to get him into that game shape, especially when you're going to Colorado on that altitude, as you mentioned. So yeah, just get him something. Get See how he feels. See how this region feels going out there and running. So yeah. <laughs> All right, Connor, there's a specific question for you, and they've, they've put three into one, so you can go off here. Over or under Caleb four and a half touchdowns? Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast uh yeah i guess if i'm predicting this huge blowout i gotta say over <laughs> all right branch over or under one and a half touchdowns one and a half i'll yeah. say under and then who has the first touchdown of the game could be anyone. I'll say Marshawn Lloyd, who, who who Brian Ward, the defensive coordinator, said is the best running back he's seen in the Pac-12 over the past two seasons. He said oh. that this week. So I'll say a guy who Arizona State knows is coming, but maybe they won't be able to stop him. I'll, I'll say Marshawn Lloyd. There's been some funny comments when we were mentioning how unhinged we are, and Tim says this reminds him of when dad is out of town and the kids throw a kegger. And then the – weird older neighbor neighbor shows up and is like hey guys can i party with you guys you're not a weird older neighbor no, that's, that's uh, i'm like several years removed from college oh, okay yeah so you're saying you're past your prime uh 
listen, I started partying late. I saw plenty of partying. <laughs> and, uh, I, didn't, I didn't party that much until my later years. So I, I'm still fresh in the party game. Uh, Cigar said, do the, do the young gun, are the young guns on tonight since Ryan's at bingo night? Which I think that's a little, uh, <laughs> we're, maybe we're young, but Ryan's not that old. Come on. Uh, okay, we've got some more questions to get to. Um, someone said, what villain is USC? I don't know right now because I haven't seen him play on the road. Mm. Well, we should come up with something. We should come up with something. It's very, I mean, it's a, can we a, come back? Let's, let's think about let it. Me, let me think about right, that, it. That'll be right before picks. Um, take it or leave it, says oh, Howell. Oh. USC special teams will score a touchdown against ASU. I'm actually thinking about five predictioning this. They've given up a punt return or a kick return touchdown this season. I can't remember which one. I think it's a punt return. I will say take it. I will mm. take it, sir or madam. Did you say how? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Person, I'll take it. There you go. I'm going to say leave it. I'm going to say defensive touchdown, but special teams is one of the things where they're not like super banged up. I think there's going to be a big focus on special teams this week because it's one of the things that is really in their control. So I don't think Arizona State gives up a special teams touchdown. I'm predicting this huge blow, and I'll say take it. <laughs> of course. It all goes back to that. Yeah. Andrews asks, which group will be the biggest test for SC this weekend? Now, I'm not sure if he's asking which USC group is going to be tested the most or which group from the Sun Devils will test USC the most. So maybe we give both. Read it. Read it again. Which group will be the biggest test for SC this weekend? With a question mark. To me, I think that's position group, and I think it's the defensive line of Arizona State. I'd, I'd go with them. They seem to have the best players for their team on, on that area of the field. And I, I think the USC offensive line is really good. I don't think it'll be a huge issue, but that defensive line is probably the best you've seen this year. So I'd look at that group. Yeah, I was going to say defensive front because they do have some dudes there. So I would say the defensive front. I'm going to go running backs because I think you we look at this USC defense and they've had some good tackling games. They've had some mad tackling games. I think they've had, you know, one bad or, or a slightly below average tackling game. And these running backs for uh, Arizona State break a lot of tackles. I think they're going to be extra motivated to break tackles because I'm not sure how the blocking is going to be in front of them. So can USC rein it in and they, we talked about rush lanes that first week against san jose state you can say a little bit of the same for when you're going against the run you can't just push the pocket forward and expect that that automatically means a tackle for loss you still have to bring down the back and so that's one one thing i'm looking for and i think arizona state's going to put up a pretty big test there there's a specific question for you chris surprise breakout player so who is your surprise breakout player well if you have one i i have to pick solomon bird I mean, Solomon Bird, we, sorry, but we thought he was going to be an afterthought, kind of, you know, a guy who faded a little bit towards the end of last season, didn't, you know, grab the rush end spot uh, right away when Romello Height went out, they had to kind of start cycling guys, move Nick Figueroa because they weren't getting what they wanted out of the position. Still had seven and a half tackles for loss, which is respectable. Thought maybe he would go to the NFL, but you know, obviously didn't get the feedback he wanted, came back, missed all of spring, so you weren't really talking about him. And even Lincoln Riley spoke, told on his uh, pressure this morning that he came in out of shape last season, so he wasn't in the best shape, and he kind of got his priorities straight this offseason. You know, you know that kind of happens when you go through an injury and you miss a lot of time. You can reset, find a new mentality, go through that because you're not playing football. So 
did that new position defensive defensive line which you know he initially was a defensive lineman before he moved to Russian and has just been you know one of the most consistent uh, players on this team and one of the MVPs for this defense so far you know I know Barry Alexander is obviously one but Solomon Bird has been playing lights out and outstanding so I would say Solomon Bird yeah Alex Grinch's defensive MVP he said yeah I think uh and if I don't know if we have one going forward, but I think Braylon Shelby could be an option going forward. You've got a couple guys, even Elijah Hughes on that defensive line that could break out. I thought that Romello Height had a really nice week last week, too, and Lincoln Riley was impressed with the way Anthony Lucas played last week, said he thought that was his best game. So there's some guys on the defensive line that through three games have maybe had a little bit of playing time, a little bit of success, and I think you could see them more throughout the rest of the season. Same person asked me a specific question, said how many double teams has Bear Alexander been having? That's a better question for Shotgun to get an actual full answer on you know the numbers and the film breakdown, but what I will say is he's getting a lot more double teams than any defender outside of Tui Tui Pelotu got last year, and if you if you have a guy on the inside that's getting double teams, I think that's one of the reasons why it's making it easier for the, the edge rushers, some of these other rushers uh, for USC on the defensive line. Uh, Eddie asks, and Connor, you can take this one for you and I, do Connor and Jack support the cilantro boys? Yes, 100%. I was on record. I was on record. Yeah, it is. Uh, Connor and I have joked that we're the Shamrock Boys because we're both Irish. So <laughs> there you go, man. Once we once we grow up a little bit, I guess we can get our own podcast or something like that. But uh, definitely, and, and now that I was an honorary cilantro boy earlier this week, it's just furthering my support. Well, there you go. So there we go. There you go. Um, Danny asks, "Do you expect Malachi Nelson to play?" I do not. I do not. I don't either. I think it's going to be a big blowout, kind of like you saw in the first week, but. You need these guys to be ready to play further into games. And so I don't think Caleb Williams gets pulled as early this week, which means I don't think Miller Moss gets pulled from Malachi Nelson. Um, Non-USC question from Northwest Ninja. Oregon versus Colorado. Who do you have? Oregon. Oregon. I think Colorado could cover, though, but Oregon. Uh, Christine, or I would agree with that. I think it's going to be Oregon by a decent amount. Whether they cover or not, not quite sure, but it's going to be Oregon by multiple touchdowns. Christine asks, how hot is it supposed to be during the game? I believe the high for the day is 95 degrees. At game time, I want to say it's getting below 90, though. I will, I saw it was going to be 95 around kickoff, unless mm. I read the thing wrong. But it, it, it was initially like, it was initially 80, so I don't, I don't know what changed, but I could have read read that wrong but it's at least going to be 80 degrees at night at 7 30 at night all right we'll get back to the uh the question i don't know if you guys have had time to think about it and then we can give our picks and then get out of here what villain is usc i have my pick and if you guys don't have it i can go first but i'm interested to hear what you guys have you can go jack I, i'm yeah. not sure all right i'm gonna go darth vader darth vader is okay. an inevitable uh he has ruled across a bunch of different eras uh and and kind of was slashed down for a while obviously gets uh anakin goes into the lava that's the clay helton era uh then the four and eight season but he gets rebuilt the emperor comes in and helps fix him up the first year they they build the death star and it doesn't work out they fall kind of just at the end they had this good plan but you know pesky team comes in and ruins it at the end and we're i think seeing what's going to happen the Empire won in, in the second uh, the the second original movie, Empire Strikes Back. They won. So we'll see if USC wins this season. But I, I think that USC, as a villain, is Darth Vader. Chris, you got anything? I, I, I don't know what I have. The shark from Jaws. Okay. Is there a reason? They're big. They're strong. They got some scars on them. But their weakness is if you stick a bunch of dynamite in their, their mouths and blow them up. 
what uh what's the dynamite in this situation what could no literal dynamite that's <laughs> wait who's whose weakness isn't getting dynamite stuck in and blowing up you know, I think that's why we play the game. We just had to figure out uh, if they can overcome it. Okay. I can't think of anything. I'm a huge disappointment. Sorry, everyone out there. I don't know. All right. That means you have to start on score prediction. And as, <laughs> as we've been doing, um, because you couldn't think of one, you have to go last for a player MVP as well. So go first for your score prediction. And, and then, Chris, you go. And then I'll go. And I'll pick my MVP as well. And we'll go back around. 35 nothing at halftime. 49-10 final. I thought he was going to say 35 nothing for the whole game. <laughs> Dropping a 35 burger. 4910. Uh I'm gonna go I was a little I picked a shutout on the uh Helium Boys podcast. I'm always a little bit too gung ho on my score predictions on uh Helium Boys and I i I'll taper it down a little bit. Uh I'm gonna go fifty-two nothing. Or sorry, it's fifty-two <laughs> fifty-two ten. Fifty-two ten. <laughs> gonna temper it down. <laughs> yeah, double, uh, not a shutout, but I forgot nothing, I yeah. forgot to put the one in front of the zero. <laughs> that was the 10. most high pitched laugh I think I've ever had. Yeah. It's uh, a <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that. Chris has had like a, a typo in speaking. <laughs> I do that all the time if you I'm listen gonna, to enemy. I'm gonna temper it down a little bit. Fifty-two ten. All right, there you go. Um, I'm gonna go with forty-eight to ten. I don't think USC quite quite gets to fifty because I think that they might slow down a little bit being on the road, and I think the Arizona State defense gets a couple more stops than Stanford. Um, as well as I'm not, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure how high I can go with the points anymore, knowing that USC had 49 at halftime and they didn't really push the envelope. I think this is going to be another one of those games where Lincoln Riley is towing the line and trying to figure it out. Um, but I think you're going to get a touchdown given up by the, the starters, but they're going to play pretty well in general. And then a field goal allowed by the, the second team defense that comes in. One of the more underrated things, I think, of the USC season so far is they have given up drives where they have let the opponent get into field goal position and the other team just really hasn't hit on the kicks. I'm not sure that's going to happen this week. Um, I think they've they've been getting pretty lucky in the opposing or the opponent kicking game, where the Nevada kicker went in and he was one of the best kickers in the Mountain West, one of the best kickers in the country, and he missed two field goals short. So I I, I don't think you're going to get lucky in that way again. So I, I'm not going to predict a shutout because at any point we've seen that USC can give up some yards, and if a kicker just hits a field goal, they're going to score some points. So I'm going to go 48-10. So USC still covers the 34 and a half, and we'll go back around and give a. a player of the game predictions. I don't think I'm going to steal from anyone, so it's, it's okay. I'm going to go Kalen Bullock. I think you're going to have two interceptions for Bullock. One of them is that defensive touchdown pick six. I'm going to go Dorian Singer making his return to the state of Arizona. I know that's not his former team, but you know he kind of grew up in Arizona. I think he's excited to go back, play in front of extended family. So I'm going to say him, and that for me would be like a couple touchdown catches uh, in that first half. And you know, spreading the ball around i think i think we're kind of not forgetting about dorian singer but you know he's been kind of quietly good but i think he can have a a, a big game back in arizona someone else making their triumphant return to arizona brendan rice i could see him getting more targets this week and having a big game i'm gonna do another answer to jack don't kill me deuce robinson i think is gonna have a big game too also returning to arizona i could see him getting a little bit more involved earlier than he has in some prior games this year. See, I just can't pick a receiver because I always like, Yeah, they, they never really have an MVP. Like last week you had, I picked Dorian Singer because I thought he was going to have a big game down the field. That ended up being Brendan Rice. But I mean, 
Rice only had one catch for 75 yards on touchdown too. So it's like if that play doesn't happen, he's not the MVP. Dorian Singer had that nice touchdown in the back of the end zone, but he didn't end up being the MVP. Taj Washington has had you know a couple of the best games, but picking a receiver is just like I don't know. I feel like it's you're trying to ask for a little too much because at any point any one of the receivers could be the MVP. So. We, we should say too it's it's Caleb Williams every oh, week, yes. but we don't pick him because yeah, he's not eligible. Not eligible, not eligible to be picked. Yeah. So, so yeah. that makes it a little harder. Um, one announcement: I will Venmo someone five dollars if they send me a clip of Connor laughing <laughs> and uh, his uh, Kenny Dillingham uh, rant expression talking about Arizona State offense. If you clip those and, and DM me, put them on Twitter, or whatever, I'll Venmo you five dollars on God. Can you do another Michael Jackson dance? Not right now. No. I only do Michael Jackson dance when Michael Jackson does a Michael Jackson dance. All so right. if he does a touchdown and he, he does, does if he does a touchdown and he does a Michael Jackson dance, 10K will do a Michael Jackson dance on that corresponding instant analysis. There's right. my there's my vow to you, Jack. Those those are public rules now. So you're gonna we're gonna hold you to that. So MJ3, if you're watching and you score, you have to pick whatever touchdown dance you're gonna do, and then Chris has to do one. So. I think that's all we've got. Do you guys have anything else to add to the show? It's been unhinged. It's been fun. I'm not sure you can say the same thing for what's going to happen with the Sun Devils on Saturday. I think it's going to be another game where USC kind of leads from start to finish. Um, and another game where they might have to be being a little bit more respectful at the end than I think they want to be. Uh, all I got is these two guys will be making their road debuts Woo! for uscfootball.com. Staying all together. So, yeah, let's <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, I got a long drive tomorrow, and you guys get to fly there on Saturday, but I don't know. I get to go to the staff meetup. I got to mention that as well. I, well, you guys talk while I pull up the details for that. Because we won't, Cause we won't be there. there. Yeah, too bad we won't be there. So maybe if you're going to – well, will we do one for Colorado when the game's so early the next day? <laughs> I mean, it depends what time we get in Colorado. But Colorado is a beautiful city. And I think we did sort of one last year. We went to a – we went to a barcade. Oh, I think nice. the the – and then it was funny because uh, why did we go to that? I don't, I don't, but Ryan was there, and I don't remember. If anyone remembers why we would, went to the barcade, remind me. I'm pretty sure that was Denver. Um, but I don't remember Ryan being there. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. So, yeah. So, I mean, 9 a.m. is brutal, so probably not. Depends on what time we get in uh, on a Friday. But, yeah, possibly get some dinner. Not a... Not uh, super late, obviously, because uh, got to be up bright and early. Yeah, Chris said Rocky Mountain Oysters on him, so you guys better show up for that. Um, mm. So details for tomorrow, Friday, if you're listening to this today. You, you get out to Arizona. If you're in the area, in the Phoenix area or around Tempe or Scottsdale, uh, Ryan said we are meeting at Boondocks Patio in Scottsdale starting at 7 p.m. Friday. That is Friday, September 22nd. So... May come out and meet us. It'll be. Uh, I think it might just be Shotgun Ryan and I there for the staff, um, because these slouches are getting there on Saturday. Um, Look, we didn't book our tickets for Saturday. That is someone whose name will not be mentioned right now, but that's on them, not on us. Yeah, but if you guys come out, you won't have to meet Connor and Chris. It'll be a fun time. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, burn, make sure you come out. Yeah, there you go. Okay, any final notes before we wrap this one up? 
I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, USC will head down to Tempe. I'm sure they're already on their way uh, to to face the Arizona State Sun Devils 7.30 p.m. on Saturday. I think it's on Fox. So another late kickoff for USC. And then they've got that early morning one that we were talking about in Boulder. I'm excited for next week because on Thursday it's going to be a kind of our first meaty tunnel vision preview episode talking you know prime time and no travis hunter but shadur sanders and everything going on with colorado uh, but thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode another preview for us on tunnel vision on thursday we'll be back i'm sure it'll be a different cast again because we've got that competitive depth on sunday uh to recap usc what we assume was going to be a blowout win but we'll see just how many points it's by and we'll see what the general vibe is after the game uh, on saturday but thank you guys so much for tuning in leave a like wherever you're watching hit the follow button the subscribe button leave any comments that you've got about what you thought about the episode and we will see you on sunday after usc's game against arizona state old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.